Welcome to Connections, a McElroy podcast all about pipe fusion, where we tackle industry news, job site success stories, and more from the world of thermoplastic pipe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connections, a podcast from McElroy. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Today, we're doing a deep dive into polyethylene pipe. And so we'll be discussing its benefits, educating the market a little bit on what it is, and also hearing some success stories as well. And so we are excited to have two subject matter experts today who are very qualified in terms of uh, bringing us this information. First, we have Peter Dyke. He is the executive director for the Alliance for PE Pipe. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Tyler, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to be here talking with you and Brett and, of course, our audience. What, what, what a great day. Any day we have a chance to talk to our audience is a great day for us. Absolutely. You are 100% right. And uh, you also mentioned Brett. Let's introduce Brett as well. It's Brett Stone. He's the channel manager for polyethylene for McElroy Manufacturing. Brett, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Tyler, thanks for having me and glad to be here. Actually, I'm, I'm here live in Dallas with you guys. So, uh, we were able to make the trip down from Tulsa, the short trip. So really glad to be here. Thank you. Always happy to have you uh, pop just a little bit south and, uh, you know, uh, drop below the Red River and uh, and hang out with us here in Texas for a little bit, Brett. So uh, you're welcome in Dallas anytime. So, guys, let's kick things off just by learning a little bit more about you, your career, your experience and what you do now. So, uh, Peter, start off just by telling the audience a little bit about yourself. I'm sure many are already familiar uh, with the work you do, but uh, but just introduce yourself uh, to the audience for us. Thanks, Tyler. So I'm the executive director of the Alliance for PE Pipe, and the Alliance is a trade association uh, dedicated to nurturing the polyethylene pipe market. And that's pipe fittings, equipment, anything related to the market as it relates to municipal water and wastewater use in North America. So um, I've been doing this for about 10 years. I'm a former elected official, a lot of experience with construction outside the building, a lot of experience with entitlements and municipal governance. Uh, so I was lucky enough to, to land this position a few years ago and, and guys like Brett and others have been very generous and gracious with their time and teaching me about this market. And now I'm one of those guys that's uh, teaching others about the market. So it's a real privilege to be here and have learned about this, this great product and technology and these systems that permit uh, municipal governments to do a better job conveying water from A to B. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Brett, introduce yourself to the audience as well and uh, tell us a little bit more about what it means to be a channel manager for polyethylene at McElroy. Yeah, thank you, Tyler. So I'm Brett Stone again, channel manager for the polyethylene side for McElroy Manufacturing. Uh, we're based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, my, my role really boils down to just assisting our channel partners. We've got roughly 30 key channel partners across North America and they're all polyethylene driven and how they use polyethylene and how they promote polyethylene varies some, but my focus is really strictly on them, uh, guiding their sales needs, guiding their training needs, and um, just helping promote polyethylene and its use throughout North America. Fantastic. And so, uh, Peter, you went into a little bit of detail about the Alliance for, for PE Pipe, but tell us a little bit more and go into a little bit more depth about your goals and what you're hoping to accomplish and, and the means that you're going about accomplishing those goals. Okay. So the Alliance, um, you know, we have 150 members, Tyler, and um, about 25 of them are dues-paying members, contribute directly to our operating budget. And they all fund um, all this money funds the various events that we do. Um, so we're, you know, obviously in the age of COVID, we're doing webinars 
and podcasts, um, pre-COVID and post-COVID, and now today we're doing physical road shows again. So that's a truck with 10,000 pounds of gear on it. And we, in a good year, we'll do 30 of those events. Uh, so that's 15 travel weeks of these type of events. And this is really traditionally, Tyler, been our core business of conducting those events and, and seeing people face to face. Um, we also do seminars. So we meet somebody on the road and they say, hey, would you come and teach my guys about polyethylene? And and then we try to get, you know, 30 people in a room and we'll spend half a day with them. We also do trade shows. So think, you know, traditional ways of getting to market is a is an industry trade show. We do those as well. Um, we like to focus more on national shows, but we also do state shows as well. And the foundation of our business, Tyler, is as a small entrepreneurial 501c6 is we've got to leverage our money. You know, money's tight for everybody, right? So whenever we do an event, and this year will be close to 60 events, we always have a partner, whether it's Brett Stone at McElroy or it's one of our distributors like Corin Maine or ISCO or EJ Prescott uh, or Secor or Consolidated. All these companies are either national or regional, and we will try to fund half of that cost of that event with one, one of these local partners. And these partners, and this is where Brett and I get to know each other really well, is his customers are also my partners when we produce all these various events. And we try, we conduct these events, Tyler, and we try to get leads. But really, our number one mission is familiarize people to polyethylene because it's a long process. As, as uh, Brett's colleague, uh, Chip McElroy, likes to say, a lot has to happen before somebody walks in the door and says, hey, can I see one of those green butt fusion machines? Is that right, Brett? Yeah, <laughs> you're right, Pete. A lot has to happen. As you were saying that statement, my mind was swirling back to all the things that have to happen before, you know, a McElroy machine would show up on the job site. But, uh, you know, I, I think back on, on you and the role of the director here for the Alliance for PE Pipe, you know, and, I, and I've grown with you for the last, you know, really eight, nine years and how the roadshows have evolved and transformed and, and the, uh, the, the long list of engineers. And really, you know, when I started, you know, I think you might have been, don't, don't be offended by this, but I think you, you weren't getting, you were getting some of the engineers, you know, to attend. But now, you know, fast forward nine years later, you know, like you said, uh, we talked about earlier, last week we had an event for 400, over 400 different people on the, on the, you know, live that saw the event. And I think over half of those were engineers. So that is just, it's amazing to me to see the growth of the Alliance for PE Pipe. And, and uh, Tyler, you know, we, Peter is the hardest, hardest working guy uh, that I've known in, you know, and, and really other than, you know, Mr. McElroy and our team at McElroy, Pete is out there front and center you know, pushing and educating the use of polyethylene within our markets. It's, uh, he's really an inspiration to what we all do uh, in all of our jobs. Well, thanks for that compliment, Brett. You know, it takes a team. And uh, one, of the, one of the metrics I evaluate every year, Brett, is when we do these events, how many people from the industry help us pull it off? And in a typical non-COVID year, Tyler, imagine this, we see... 90 different people show up at these events to help us reach these people. Wow. Um, so to Brett's point, you know, it, it, yeah, it takes a lot of work, but there are so many people involved. You know, I get a lot of credit for it because I organize it all, but 
so many people are the ones that are actually talking to the customers and telling them about polyethylene. But, you know, so you, one of your part of your question, Tyler, was, so what really do you guys do and why do you exist? Well, as I said, we exist to educate people about the market, right? But um, another quote, uh, and I was lucky enough to get Brett's colleague, Chip McElroy, on, the, on our podcast. And one of his key points to me was, you know, Peter, the whole reason we participated, we being McElroy, in the start of the Alliance for PE Pipe back in, it was 2008, was people just are not grasping the magnitude of the technology offered by, whether it's butt fusion, electrofusion, or just the whole polyethylene pipe thing. Um, they're not grasping it, so they need to be taught about it. So that's why the the alliance exists, and it's it's a great great mission. Uh, but it's an it's both an intellectual, you know, it's an intellectual cell to the engineers, but it's also a demonstration cell to the guys working in the field because we have to be able to speak to both of those people if we're going to move this product forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and Peter, you mentioned your podcast there, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to, to plug your podcast as well, because I'm guessing with a lot of the events and the trade shows and the, the ways that you were going about getting in front of and, and talking to people and communicating with people on a regular basis, uh, with a lot of that shifting in 2020 as a result of the pandemic, you found different ways. And I, I, I'm guessing the podcast kind of started as a result of that. Is that right? Yeah, it's one of those things, Tyler, you know, you really kind of want to get to it. And I've heard Brett say this as well. You know, it's because of COVID, we finally got to some of the things that we wanted to get to. Uh, but I've been interested in doing a podcast for a while. My podcast mentor is Joe Rogan. I don't necessarily agree with everything Joe talks about, but he is a fantastic guy as it relates to taking a platform and doing something with it. Uh, he does an excellent job of engaging with his audience. Um, he's a true student. You know, and there's one thing that defines him and other really good pos podcasters, and that is they're curious. They just want to sit and talk to somebody because that person, you know, it's like Irv Cups in it. I don't know if you ever knew who Irv was, but he was a tremendous conversationalist. He was in Chicago um, and he just knew he's kind of, he's kind of like uh, Larry King. You know, he he could talk to anybody about anything and he, he knew just enough uh, that he could be dangerous in a conversation. I've been privileged to speak to in our podcast in the year and a half we've been doing it. You know, a lot of the major people as, as far as influence in the organization, several of them, Brett Stone's one of them, uh, at, uh, in the uh, HDPE industry. And I continue to learn so much from them. And uh, that's just kind of the attitude, Tyler. I know you as a podcast, podcast host, you got to have that attitude, right? Absolutely. It's all about being curious, asking questions, and uh, and just having that appetite to learn more all the time. And so uh, that's why we love podcasts, and that's why uh, we think they're a really fun and, and, and interesting and educational medium out in the market these days, uh, because you can find a podcast on anything. And so here we are today doing a podcast on polyethylene pipe, and you know what? There's a, there's a market for it, and that's what's really exciting. Yeah, so our podcast is called The Poly Podcast. I love it. There's some other poly podcasts out there, but ours is the one that has to do with HDPE pipe. I love it. I love it. And can people find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, those sorts of those sorts of places? It's like 15 yeah. different platforms, Tyler. It's like some I've never even heard of. Like, what is that? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. There's there's too many out there. I can't keep track. So let's as we get back to talking about uh, about PE pipe, let's uh, we'll, we'll we'll refocus here. Um, Peter, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was that. 
Infrastructure right now is really front and center in the news, and, and people are talking and paying attention right now to the conversations around infrastructure. Has that led people to asking more questions about PE Pipe and maybe led to increased interest in, in your work and in what you're doing and maybe an increased appetite for education on PE Pipe? Well, first of all, Tyler, you got to look at who our audience is. Um, so this is basically a B2B thing. So we're not necessarily focused on what I call boiling the ocean and talking to citizens about this. In fact, uh, you know, we're just we're just not. I mean, am I getting calls from reporters wanting to talk about what is on my shirt today? Responsible infrastructure. Now, that's what we consider polyethylene. It's responsible infrastructure. So to have that conversation, you have to juxtapose it to the other two dominant material types, Tyler, which are PVC and ductile iron pipe. Uh, so we're coming into the municipal water market as the laggard in that group of three. But no, I'm not I'm not seeing any more interest. I mean, obviously, I read about it and, you know, the administration's um, uh, infrastructure program is exciting. And the fact that it, there's bipartisan agreement that something is going to go forward. And the latest number I saw was $60 billion. So is there heightened awareness? Absolutely. Uh, does that have an impact on me on a daily basis? Other than what I read in the press, not really. Because we're B2B, we are um, nurturing this market to municipal staff, civil engineers, and contractors. That is our market. That's who we care about as an organization. But ultimately, we care about the ratepayer because our product is the low-cost product, and it's also the highest quality product. But that's not an issue that we're trying to sell to John Q. Public. Right. So, yeah, there's more attention. But, you know, particularly with this thing that's going on in Surfside, that tragedy, I mean, I don't look at building construction as being infrastructure. I look at roads, bridges, water, wastewater, airports, you know, the traditional infrastructure uh, listing of, of areas is what we're interested in. And water is finally in that conversation. There was a day not too long ago, Tyler, where water and wastewater wasn't in that infrastructure conversation. Uh, it is today, and I'm grateful for that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you feel that you are the higher quality option. So talk to me about the benefits of switching to PE pipe then. Um, from your perspective, if you were you know, talking to the, the people that are your audience, what do you cite as the benefits for, for switching to PE pipe? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, uh, well, Tyler, it's the best product. <laughs> uh, it's it's the longest lasting, lowest priced conveyance product on the market, Tyler, on the market. And, you know, really, I mean, come on. Well, it performs the best, it fails the least, and it has the most minimal impact on the citizenry during construction than all the pipe types. Um, and you would think that a product like this, I mean, on it, I mean, truly, if, if Peter's not lying, that a product like this would be at 5x or 10x you know, traditional materials, right? That it would cost that much more, you know, something that performs better. I mean, if it's the Cadillac, it costs more than a Chevy, right? Not the case. In fact, we cost a third to a half less than ductile iron. Wow. Yet we perform hundreds of years more. So it's like, that's so counterintuitive. So how, how could that be? Well, it's crazy, but we have solved the typical failure mechanism of PVC and ductile iron. So in order to truly understand polyethylene, you've got to compare it to these other materials. And I believe that I don't want to be in the business of trashing other materials. So I'll try to be as objective as I can. And Brett, please, 
please keep me honest. <laughs> but uh, PVC is a brittle material. It traditionally, like today, it's more expensive than polyethylene, but in traditional markets, it's not. Uh, they have significant um, availability issues presently. Uh, so it's typically about 10% less than PVC. I think, okay. So PVC is kind of the low-cost product, easiest to put together, and doesn't quite last as long as the other two materials. They, ductile iron, Tyler, which your city, do you live in Dallas, Tyler? Yes, I do. You do. They love their ductile iron. Am I right, Brett? Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. So does Brett's town of Tulsa. But, <laughs> yes. So Dallas loves their ductile iron. Well, ductile iron, Tyler, the average age of ductile iron coming out of the ground today, according to the American Waterworks Association, is 48 years. And the ductile iron folks, in their wisdom, have come up with this great phrase that we have the Century Club. So you can be a member of the Century Club if you've got some metal pipe in your town that lasts 100 years. But ductile's only been around since the mid-60s, so how does that work? Well, the precursor pipe to ductile iron is a product called cast iron. It was a great material uh, because it, it, they, they cast it, so they pour it in a cast, right? That's why it's called cast, and it's really thick. It takes forever to break down when you put it in the ground. So we're seeing 100-plus years when the soils are right for cast iron to last. So the ductile iron people say, well, since that was my older brother, you know, and it lasted 100 years, my new product is going to last 100 years too, right? Um, not the case, really, according to AWWA. Um, but it's really exciting when you learn a little bit about all these materials so that you can compare your product to theirs. Uh, but since the average age is really 48, in the, the day that uh, ductile iron is the strongest it ever is, is the day it goes in the ground, and then it just starts deteriorating. So Tyler, something you may not know, they got smart. They said, hey, the ground is really rough on our product, so what are we going to do? Brett, what do they do with ductile iron to protect it from the from the elements? Yeah, they coat it in polyethylene. <laughs> Tyler, they it. wrap it in polyethylene. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, you can't make this stuff up. And then on the inside, they coat it with cement. So they protect the inside from the water. They protect the outside from the soils. And they call that PE wrap for ductile iron. So that's one of the reasons it's so much more expensive than we are. And it's just... It's just so counterintuitive. So here I am explaining this. Imagine if I had to explain this, Tyler, to John Q. Public. You know, you just can't explain it in 60 seconds on why your product is better. It's too hard. That's really interesting. So I'm guessing that that process then of, of wrapping it in polyethylene is expensive and time-consuming. Yeah? Like... Yeah, uh, it is. It's, 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 it's the reason it's more expensive it, because it's, it's a heavy material. Uh, they say it's very strong and it is. It's the strongest pipe on the market. It just doesn't last as long. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions I get a lot, Tyler, is, well, Peter, if your arguments really are that good and you're right, you know, why isn't the market adopting the product any more quickly than it has? Sure. You know, I often ask myself, come on, guys, why, why are we doing this? Why is it taking so long? And Brett's asked me that question before, too, haven't you, Brett? <laughs> of course, all the time. You know, Pete, you, you talk about, you, you were just talking about, you know, ductile and, and you were talking about the cost. And, and Tyler, you asked the question about wrapping it, you know, in polyethylene. But Peter didn't even get into, you know, typically ductile is going to be open trench, meaning, you know, if you come to the city of Tulsa, uh, they're, they're tearing up an, an completely arterial 
so that means the road underneath the road, they're putting in brand, a brand new ductile system. So think about that, Tyler. If that's in your neighborhood, um, that's pretty inconvenient. That's a mess. Would you say? Oh, that's a that's an absolute yeah, it's mess. A mess. And you've seen that before, where. And I know we'll probably get into it more, but polyethylene has an install method that really has an entry port and an exit port, um, two holes down that city street. And um, so you're not tearing up that entire city street as well. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. So we call that trenchless technology, Tyler. And that's something, particularly in Texas, that is well understood. Not all markets, geographic markets in the U.S. understand it as well as people in Texas do. But we're kind of encroaching all the way around around Dallas. Um, but the answer to the question, you know, you know why, why aren't they adopting it more quickly, Tyler, is because this ground game that I've talked about that the Alliance likes to engage in, uh, we have to hit every one of these engineers one by mm-hmm. one. The population of people that we have to hit, Tyler, is somewhere around three hundred to 400,000 people, depending on how you slice it. So that's consulting civil engineers and mechanical engineers in the United States. That's engineers that work for municipal governments. That's government staff that has to deal with water and wastewater. And that's all the contractors that buy Brett's equipment. Uh, So we got to teach them all. You know, one of the fascinating things is, you know, these same people that say, Peter, how come it's not going more quickly? They are already servicing other markets where polyethylene is the dominant material. Right. So they're frustrated with me. So they so take one of Brett's favorite industries, natural gas. Tyler, 98% of all the pipe going in the ground today in the natural gas distribution market. So that's bringing gas to your house so you can cook over the stove. It's polyethylene, 98. Wow, that's huge. Back in the 70s, the American Gas Association said to all the operators, everybody who delivers gas, in the U.S., they said, you shall use polyethylene pipe. Whoa, really? Engineers don't have a choice anymore. They can't keep using cast. And why did the AGA say that? They said it because too many people were dying when cast iron, PVC, and other bell and spigot pipes failed. Hmm. So you get a gas leak and the whole neighborhood blows up. This has happened before. So with a fused system, which is what we are, and and I I don't mean to preach to your audience because everybody that's going to listen to this probably already knows about butt fusion. But with us, we don't have a joint once we're done with fusion. It's kind of like steel. You know, you got a welder doing that steel. There's really no joint when you're done. In fact, with us, Brett, tell us about that joint. Yeah. So to Peter's point, you know, gas, the natural gas, Tyler, that flows into your, your house, um, probably comes in through the, the yellow pipe. Um, you probably have seen it along the side of the road, a lot of new development. Um, and so that fuse utilizing McElroy equipment, um, we can fuse that together, uh, creates a leak-free system. And so that's why Peter, when Peter refers to, you know, a, a 97% adoption rate in terms of, of natural gas had to go to that because, you know, you can't have leaks in natural gas Peter talked a little bit about the infrastructure package, and I think we're I think we're really spoiled in the United States. We go to our faucet and we turn water on, and every time we turn that faucet on, water comes out. I mean, and typically, unless there's you know, if there's a water main break or something, then that repair comes in. It's gonna they're gonna get that repaired, and you're typically back up. You know, maybe within a day, but every time we go to that faucet, 
there's water coming out of that. Or you go to their shower, there's water coming out of that shower. But think about it if water didn't come out. And But also think about in the ground how much water loss were, were that's happening in the ground. Peter knows much more the statistics, the data around that loss rate, um, even here in Dallas. Um, but a brand new system in the ground. So you'll like this, Tyler. Peter's talking about ductile and PVC. They, there's an allowable leakage rate for a brand new system put in the ground for ductile and PVC. So that going in the ground, brand new, has an allowable leakage rate. So imagine you buying a car today, you filling up that gas tank with gas, and right away you that gas tank is going to leak. It's it's an allowable leakage rate out of your gas tank. Do you think that's okay? It's not. But most most consumers, us, don't they don't realize that. They don't know that a brand new system is leaking in the ground of treated water that we're paying for already. Where if you go to polyethylene, uh, it's going to be leak free, just like we're seeing in the gas gas side as well. So, like in gas, Tyler, you know, we dominate the gas market. We dominate landfill. So in landfills, that's where we put our trash. Methane is created. We harvest the methane. That's all with polyethylene pipe. Leachate protection in a landfill. That's all polyethylene. Imagine in geothermal. That's all polyethylene, Tyler. So that's that's heating and cooling buildings. Imagine if you did it with a bell and spigot pipe and you lost, you know, half the fluid. I mean, it's it's ridiculous in mining. So we dominate all these these markets and all these guys that and gals that sell in this market. Like Peter, how come we don't dominate in water? That's why we hired you. Uh, well, Tyler, it's because it's one by one. It's three hundred and fifty thousand people have to be touched. Yeah, and uh, and I suppose that. Um, it's not always easy to to educate people on, on stuff like this because they also have to be willing to learn new things, right? And willing to um, hear new stories and, and hear new information that, that maybe they haven't heard before. And so I, I would I would suppose that that it's kind of an uphill battle in terms of making sure that the right people hear the right things, right? Yeah, it's a good point. You know, we talk about Dallas, um, Tyler. Your town has forty nine hundred miles of water pipe underneath the streets. They replace 32 miles a year. They lose 9% of the water getting it to your house and, you're, and where you're sitting right now. Wow. And do you know how many water main breaks there are, are a year on average in Dallas? I'm guessing a lot. Guess. Come on. Come uh, on. Per year. Per year. Let's say one a day. So let's see, say, you know. Around. That's 365. Yeah. That's a really good guess, but the actual number is 1,100. Ooh. 1,100 breaks. So one of the things, as uh, as you called me a subject matter expert, so I guess thank you for that. But uh, one of the things we've, instead of creating a subjective argument for these people that we're trying to influence, Tyler, we've tried to objectify mm-hmm. it. So we will study a city like Dallas and we'll say, okay, how many water main breaks do you have a year? 1,100. What's your water loss rate? 9%. What's your cycle time? What the hell is cycle time? Cycle time, Tyler, is you take those 4,900 miles and you divide it by how many miles do they replace a year? So in the case of Dallas, they do 32 miles a year. So they, they figure, hey, I've got a bunch of old pipes. They got to replace them, right? Good for them. They're doing 32 miles a year. But Tyler, their cycle time. So you take that 4,900 divided by 32, you get 156. 
So they're expecting their pipe to last 156 years. And I just told you that ductile iron, which is their preferred pipe, only lasts 48. Hmm. So what happens over time? You're probably going to have more and more of these breaks, right? Yeah, your breaks are going to go up. Yeah. And if you don't mess with your cycle time and you keep putting in pipe that doesn't last as long as your cycle time, you're going to keep growing your annual maintenance and repair budget. And you will find failure eventually in your municipality. This is what happened with Flint. They ran out of money. So they started making bad decisions and people ended up dying. In the gas industry, fewer people are dying. They've cut the mortality rate in half by going to polyethylene. Hmm. There is nobody in municipal water and wastewater saying, you shall use polyethylene pipe. So we got to hit them one by one. We use this objective data to say, hey, look, guys, you really ought to pay attention to this and you know, pull your head out of the sand, start paying attention. And polyethylene solves for all the failure mechanisms. So we have the answer, but it takes some time to get through to everybody. Brett, do you have any uh, follow-up just in in terms of what, what you've heard from Peter as far as educating people, educating the marketplace, um, and uh, maybe your experiences in, in having these types of conversations? You know, um, it reminds me of, uh, there's another colleague in our industry, a gentleman by, name, by the name of Andy, Andy Mayer. Uh, Andy um, used to own a company called Murphy, Murphy Pipe, and um, they're a large contractor here in the, in the U.S., primarily down in Florida. They do a lot of work in Florida. They've done work in, in Michigan, but they do work all over. Um, actually, uh, Murphy did some work at Arlington National Cemetery here about, what, three, three or four years ago as well. But Andy, uh, Andy is a, uh, he came from, from Britain. Uh, he came over, gosh, Pete, how long ago did Andy come to the United States? It was about- In the 90s. In the 90s. And uh, he worked for British Gas early on in his career. Um, and in, over in the UK, they've adopted polyethylene in, in their gas and water much earlier, um, much, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So they were adopting the product into their system then. Um, and so when Andy came to the United States, he talks about how he was shocked to see uh, why, you know, here in the U.S., why we had not adopted to the same technology. It's out there, it's leak free. And as Andy worked and grew and, and learned about you know, you know, the US more and more, he, he realized that, that we are just, um, as we like to learn, we do, but we're also very, very stubborn and very uh, entrenched with what we already know. No, um, if, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> We are, um, and I'm, I'm, as guil- I'm as guilty of that as well, but, but we are very slow to adopt. So what's fun is being at some of these events and when you're educating the engineers. We, were, we had a, uh, a little a, a micro roadshow, I'd say, last week um, after um, our bigger event in Tulsa, and we had some, some engineers there. And, and it was like you could just see the light bulbs going off in their heads about, wow, you know, we've heard about this. We've, we've read some about this, but we had no idea. And to Peter's credit, Peter educates on the system. So it's, it's much more than just the pipe in our equipment. Um, they do pay, obviously, they're a big part of the system, but there's an entire system within the process. And 
you have to educate. And as an engineer, you've got to understand that entire system. And I think that's a, a key part as to what the Alliance does in the industry is it's not only educating on the pipe and the resin, how the pipe's made and our equipment, the, the beautiful green McElroy equipment that will fuse it together. But there's, there are other joining methods. Um, and, and Peter realized that you've got to educate on the entire system for the engineers to understand it and then to grasp it and then want to adopt it. Yeah, good point. Good point, Brett. So, uh, Tyler, we try to take these water loss metrics, you know, the main breaks, the loss rate, and the cycle time, and, and make it real mm -hmm. for people. And um, so, you know, one of the things that we constantly deal with is, you know, what, why aren't they? I mean, the engineers are smart people. Uh, people that run utilities, they're smart people. Uh, but they get, you know, none of us likes to change. People get caught wanting to do things traditionally. Risk is not something that engineers take lightly. You know, when you're switching systems and you're switching pipe types, you're training people up and it, it takes time. So the average amount of time it takes for us to get a trial is three years from the first time we speak to somebody. But we're in it for the long haul. And, uh, you know, the market domination we have in other markets has really helped me and Brad and others. Uh, we've learned a lot of lessons there. Uh, we have uh, the industry has a lot of successes. I'm not taking credit for any of these in particular. But so the city of Houston is the largest user of the product in the United States. They do 80,000 lineal feet a month. We got a lot of reasons for that. Uh, Miami-Dade uses it. Uh, in fact, uh, we're doing a big project, a big research project, Tyler, in, in Florida right now. And, and our market penetration in Florida is over 50%. So we like to say it's 10% nationally, but in a place like Florida, we're over 50%. So of the 140 utilities that have 15,000 people or more, more than 50% use polyethylene on a regular basis. So guys like Brian Fletcher and uh, the gentleman that Brett uh, mentioned earlier uh, have gone a long way to develop their individual markets. And we come along and pop in for a show and help familiarize. And then other people other people run with it. Colorado Springs is a great user in, in uh, up south of Denver. City of Duluth. You know, we love these cold weather climates where that ground moves and causes failure in other pipes. Uh, you know, we, you all in Dallas, I mean, Tyler, it's like, you remember where you were in February. Oh boy. Cause you, right. Yeah. Um, did you run out of water where you were? Not, not where I was, but I had friends that lived in, in plenty of apartment buildings and no water pipes bursting all over the place, all of that sort of thing. Well, your neighbor Fort Worth had 660 main breaks in a five day period. 660. That's what did Tulsa have Pete? Uh, Tulsa, mm, I think Tulsa was around 350, Brett, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was going to say 350, 400. Uh, in, that in, a, in that short of a time frame, Tyler, I mean, it really makes our case for us. Uh, because when polyethylene, the ground moves, the poly moves with it, it doesn't fail. Traditional materials with that joint, just imagine, you know, the bell and spigot together in the joint and pretty soon it comes out. Um, well, that's what happens. But with polyethylene, we might stretch a little bit, but we're not going to break. Uh, Brett and I have been working in Seattle. Brett loaned me a couple great green machines, and we've been training them up. And they're uh, well into their third trial project, San Francisco. Austin is a, starting to become a big user, trying to figure out how we can grow and not spend as much money on pipe. Arlington, Texas. 
home of that. I, I think you have a football team <laughs> down there in Dallas somewhere. Little, little football um, team. That, Small. that might play near Arlington. Uh, huge user of polyethylene. Hmm. Saved them a ton of money on their retrofit projects. So we've got a lot of really good examples, and uh, we're just getting the word out, Tyler. I like that. I, I love that. Now, I wonder, I, I wonder if as more examples like that pop up, right? Like in, in Texas, it doesn't freeze very often, but but when it does, the the issues that come from that are, are pretty catastrophic, and we really see firsthand. And I know that it's not the, the, the larger public that is your audience, but certainly engineers recognize and notice that, right? And that's an opportunity for you to maybe grow the message of, of polyethylene. Is, is that how you would see it? Yeah. Well, you don't like to you don't like to make people look bad. Um, no, certainly not. Yeah. But, you know, they, they really make it easy for us. Um, so Fort Worth and uh, Dallas both are not users of polyethylene. They only use it when they have to if they have a river crossing. So they use it on the really hard stuff, but not the, the run-of-the-mill stuff. Uh, because for large utilities, Tyler, it's a major commitment to switch pipe types. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people are reluctant to talk about pipe type. You know, they'll say, oh, I've got a 2,500-foot project coming on, but they don't want to talk about the pipe. Well, honestly, um, if you're representing the rate payer, Tyler, which I think you ought to be doing, you should absolutely be talking about pipe type uh, because you have a responsibility to spend the money that isn't yours properly. Um, And I would argue that utilities that continue to use incumbent materials when they have challenges like warmer climates that get hit by huge cold snaps do – and seismic areas do, they have a responsibility to spend their money properly. And I argue that they aren't. Um, but to your point, you know, you don't want to shame them. You don't want to make them look bad but because they're eventually going to be your customer. We end up getting everybody. When you, when you look, Tyler, at the, the adoption curve over time, we're well into the early majority from the early adopter phase. It's a five-cycle phase. We're in the third phase. So when you go from a 10% market share to a, uh, the majority share at 50%, there's certain things that happen. The market tends to start to take care of itself a little bit more. And that's where we are. We're seeing uh, some tremendous strength in markets that we used to have to work really hard in. And now it's just kind of happening on its own. Um, and we're, we're trying to nurture that, but we don't have to work as hard in some markets. Peter was talking about, you know, we talk about ground shifting, but what about some of these caustic soils um, that we're experiencing across the country as well. But then, you know, also you mentioned Miami-Dade. Um, they used to use steel pipe in the ground. Think of that, Tyler. Steel pipe and a sandy soil in Miami. And uh, with that salt water, you know, that's going to corrode pretty quick. And like, as to Pete's point, they have adopted polyethylene. But but that there's another subject out there in terms of these caustic soils and just the erosion of the pipe over time. Um, where polyethylene will not do that as well. Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent point. Uh, Peter, did you want to, to comment on that at all, just the soil types and, and the differenti- uh, the differentiators there? No, I, I like it when there are really long pauses in a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, Tyler. Hey, Brett, good good point on that caustic soil thing. But it, it just kind of defies um, common sense guys, when utilities continue to use a product despite um, significant physical obstacles, geologic obstacles, seismic obstacles, 
and polyethylene has the answers. Uh, there's there's another thing out there, you know, caustic soils is one thing. The answer for ductile is to just wrap it in polyethylene. The answer for PVC is like us. PVC is inert as it relates to those issues. So that is a, another good choice when you have caustic soils. Uh, PVC works as does polyethylene. But, si- but Tyler, think about the seismic areas. Tell, uh, Oklahoma, Brett, you've now got more earthquakes in the U.S. than anybody. I mean, you don't have a lot of big ones, but the ground movement is huge. So there was a big earthquake in the desert uh, in California in 2019, Tyler. It was a 7.1. And um, there was a town in the in the Mojave that was without water for two weeks. Jeez. They put PVC back in to replace the ductile iron that failed. Yet PG&E had hundreds of miles of natural gas distribution lines. None of them failed during the earthquake. They ended up changing a uh, replacing a couple that stretched uh, when the ground moved over a fault line. And then there was a industrial utility that had about 800 miles of polyethylene. No failures, Tyler. Wow. So here we have this data where polyethylene performs very well in an earthquake, yet people in California still, yeah, no, we're going to keep using ductile iron and PVC. The city of Oakland, they've adopted some polyethylene, Correct. Yeah, in East Bay Mud. Uh, so East mm-hmm. Bay Municipal Utility District um, has been experimenting with it for years. Uh, they just did a big project near UC Berkeley. They are a utility that uses all pipe types, um, but they are a user of the product, and there are a lot of good stories and good case studies to come out of that utility. Yeah, one of the comments titled that when I was out there with East Bay Mud was, um, you know, I asked them, you know, what, what. What was the process of you all adopting polyethylene? Mm-hmm. And a couple of different conversations that came up that, you know, it wasn't so much seismic that, that was the concern uh, for some of the changes to polyethylene, although that was some of, the, some of the concern, a small portion of it. It was really more mudslides. They needed a system um, that would be intact because they're more worried about, you know, these fires that are experiencing out in California what happens after the fires, the rains come, they're going to have mudslides, and they wanted to be assured that their piping in their infrastructure, their gas or water, uh, would still be intact uh, even after those mudslides. Man, that is that is really fascinating and, uh, and a really excellent point. That That's something I wouldn't have even considered, but that makes a lot of sense. And, and Peter, when you lay it out the way that you did, just having that, that concrete data right there in front of you and concrete examples, it it kind of still baffles my mind that, that people make the other decision and, and go the other way. And, and you're right. I guess change is difficult and people know what they know and feel comfortable with what they feel comfortable with. But even just as a, um, as a citizen, when I hear stuff like that, I would, I would think that that would rile people up and, and get under people's skin. And so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting getting a chance to, to learn more about this and to hear more uh, about the way that you are educating people. And I'm curious just what types of resources that you have um, does the Alliance have any type of resources that educates people on your website or places where, uh, you know, you're, you're seeking to educate these, these people that, that work within municipalities that make the decisions when it comes to this sort of thing? Um, is there educational material they can go to to learn more about, uh, about polyethylene? Yeah, so it's, it's uh, pepipe.org. We've got a lot of good resources. Um, we've produced a couple hundred videos in the last six years, Tyler, so we've got a lot of video. We have a YouTube channel just YouTube Alliance for PE Pipe, and you'll find some videos there. McElroy's got wonderful resources. In fact, McElroy has a university 
uh, devoted to educating people. So that's actually training them. I would say I'm more of an educator. McElroy does training. So it gives people actual skills, whereas our focus is more on orientation and familiarization, which is an important first step in adopting the product. You have to go through that or that familiarization stage. Uh, it's a requirement for adoption. But we also uh, do these webinars and even post-COVID, we're going to continue. Is there ever going to be a post-COVID? Um, so we're going to continue the webinars. Um, <clears throat> and finally, for the actual designers, we have what we call the engineers package, which will start uh, their library. And we this is all free of charge. And we'll send that um, you know, 500 megs of stuff, uh, you know, using Dropbox or uh, a zip drive. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. Well, guys, we've covered a lot of ground here today. And, uh, and as we begin to start to wrap up this episode, um, uh, because I, I don't think we can take too much more of your time, but, uh, I, I did want to give each of you the opportunity to give us any closing thoughts you have, anything that we haven't touched on yet that you want to make sure that, uh, that our listeners are aware of, um, anything along those lines. So Peter, let me turn it over to you first. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts for our audience today or just anything that you want people to walk away with? Uh, well, first of all, Tyler, hey, thanks for the opportunity to uh, sit down with the folks at McElroy and Brett. Always great to sit down with you. Um, I would say to your listener listeners, you can always get a hold of me at pdike at pepipe.org. If you're a utility and you're considering using polyethylene, get in touch with me. Uh, we provide all kinds of uh, services to help you get through that that um, that initial period of orientation and concern and, you know, what does the pilot project look like? And are my drawings okay? Is, is my sick back going to be okay? Am I going to get people to bid my work? We will help you through that. If you're from the industry, attend PE Showcase in December. Sign up, meet us in Dallas, come to that event. It's not expensive, but we can give you the skills you need to be a better salesperson uh, in this market. So give us a chance to be part of your team. Thank you, Tyler. Excellent. Thank you so much, Peter. Uh, Britt, any final thoughts, uh, anything you want to leave our audience with here today? Yeah, Tyler, again, like Pete, just uh, just want to thank you for letting me stop by and be with you guys today and, and really enjoy the time and always enjoy the time with Peter Dyke. But yeah, Pete referenced uh, McElroy University, and I really want to talk a little bit about that. We do educate quite a few people through McElroy University, uh, but like we all, all of us last year, we had to you know, we had to adjust really on the fly. And so we created a socially distant learning series, which really touched on key aspects of fusion and the technology. Uh, a lot of it around our, centered around our equipment and so on, but I would encourage you to go on uh, McElroy University and we, um, you can be able to see the uh, socially distant learning series. But I also encourage you to uh, hop on, uh, enroll in a class, uh, come see us in Tulsa if you can. Um, we'll teach you about uh, fusion. We'll start very small, just small diameter. We can increase that and go into medium diameter, and then we can go into large diameter uh, where we're at uh, today with with our new i series machine, which I could I could go on with a whole other segment on that machine. <laughs> but but really want to talk to you. You know, just encourage people to get educated out there. Um, and if you're an engineer, I really encourage you to attend an Alliance Roadshow. Uh, you will be in awe of of just the amount of information that you will gain once you once you leave there, um, and then once you leave with that information, I really would challenge those engineers. We've talked about it today. Folks are reluctant to change, but 
you know, we're not asking you to go in and just go, you know, come back to your, your utility and say, hey, hey, everybody, we're going this different direction. That, that's just, that's not realistic. It's just not going to happen. What I would encourage you to do is, is like, like we talk about um, a lot with the Alliance and Peter is hit a single. Um, we're not asking you to hit a home run. Just hit a single. Uh, bite off a small project. Work polyethylene into that small project. Bring in the Alliance. Um, and Pete's got great spec information on his website. But spec it in um, and then get educated on Fusion with us. Uh, there's some other industry partners. Um, I'd reference TT Technology. Some of our folks who do directional drilling. Learn about that. But know that you're supported within the market and reach out to us as you hit that single and you grow polyethylene within your marketplace. I would encourage you to do that. And I would say almost guaranteed you'll come away highly impressed of the project and the installation of the, of the product. And, um, and I think from there, you'll just see continued growth. So I just want to, again, it's always good to be with you guys. And um, I want to thank Peter for all his efforts and hard work he, he puts forth in really promoting polyethylene. He's our key. He's our really big champion out there in the market of promoting polyethylene. And Tyler, I really uh, thank you for having us both on today. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for coming on. And uh, and like Brett said, make sure to go visit McElroy's uh, Academy there on their website. And also check out the Poly Podcast as well if you want to hear more from Peter and uh, hear him talking to more experts from the industry. Uh, it's a fantastic resource, fantastic podcast. So make sure to go check that out as well. Peter Dyke, Brett Stone, guys, thank you so much for joining us here for this episode of Connections, a podcast from McElroy. Cheers, Thanks, everybody. Tyler. Excellent. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode. We appreciate you joining us here today very much. Of course, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of a number of other podcast apps that are out there. Uh, you can find us there. And make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with the latest from McElroy. Of course, we'll be back soon with new episodes of the show. But until then, for my guests today, uh, Peter and Brett, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us. 